is up everybody good morning and welcome to wake and take i am your host just for today ahan rungta in place of the goat jason allwine jason has been traveling it looks like he's going to miss a few wake and take episodes but fear not you'll hear my voice for today we'll have a couple other hosts run the show over the course of this week but for now, we are here to drop some takes or talk about what's going on in the NFL world, in the fantasy world, and take your questions in chat throughout the morning. Hope everybody is doing well. Crazy game last night, Ravens Commanders. For those of you that missed it, we'll talk about it real quick. Assuming a lot of you play fantasy, and we will talk about the Ravens for fantasy a little bit but a lot about the commanders for fantasy. Jason Allwine is in the chat. He is here. Good to see you, Jason. Thanks for letting me ruin your show just for one morning. So last night, Ravens commanders, a lot happened to start off since I am the betting man. I will mention it. There was a lot of bets on the Ravens to continue their 24-game preseason win streak one of the most impressive streaks I've seen in my lifetime, just the randomness that goes into winning a preseason game, uh, just the consistency in which John Harbaugh and company have been winning these preseason games. You heard him talk about it before the game saying, this means something. We want to win these games. Like, no, we're not just like giving the players reps. Like now that we have this win streak, we want to continue it. And the commanders on the other side were saying, we want to be the ones that break it. Nick Sirianni said earlier, well, we want to be the ones that break the winning streak. And speaking of Nick Sirianni, who is it that stunned the Eagles last year, the Washington commanders? Who was it that ended the winning streak yesterday? The Washington commanders. So let's talk about the game real quick. Um, obviously, it's a back and forth affair. For those of you that didn't watch it, Washington is now 2-0 in the preseason. Sam Howell obviously starts the game. Most of the starters started the game. It was ended with a Jake from legacy drive that ended with a Joey Sly, I believe 49 yarder to put it through nails it. Washington wins it and Washington commanders fans all across the world popping bottles. This is their Super Bowl. And let's talk about the players that went into it, because that's why we're here. So for the Ravens, not much to talk about. Justice Hill starts for the second straight game at running back. He stays in for one drive and recorded three explosive plays. He had a 15-yard run, a 10-yard run, and a 13-yard reception. He looked good. Giving him some breaks was Melvin Gordon. And so you might be wondering, where was Gus Edwards? And I don't know either. Uh, Gus Edwards was named a captain for the game. He did play a bit in game number one of the preseason in the second quarter. Didn't play at all after being named a captain of the game yesterday. That was weird to a lot of us. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. Probably a uh, an injury being nursed. But regardless, the RB2 competition looks to be between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Melvin Gordon obviously in the mix as well, the veteran. Uh, we also saw some run from undrafted rookie Keaton Mitchell, but uh, the storyline there is really just what was going on with Gus Edwards. We don't know. Lamar, 
Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, and Mark Andrews were all rested. Zay Flowers, first-round rookie, played one drive, looked good. Two catches, 37 yards, one touchdown. The day is finished. That's all he that's all he had in store yesterday. Devin Duvernay, who we will have some fun with this season with DFS. A nice little maybe last round best ball option. Devin Duvernay also played one drive. Didn't do much. Uh, Isaiah Likely was out, likely due to injury. That's what you get with me. You get the bad pun. With Jason, you get the well-informed takes. With me, you get the bad puns. Likely was probably out due to injury. Uh, we saw him missed practice earlier uh, in the week. Uh, and he's probably out because of that injury. Not much to talk about there. But we are here to talk about the Washington Commanders. And I made a tweet a long time ago um, about the Washington Commanders. And I said, this Washington Commanders team might look boring, but it is the one of the most interesting sources of fantasy football right now. And I made this while having the honor to contribute to the player profiler world famous draft kit. And I was in charge of the Washington commanders. Uh, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. We, we don't spend all our time watching the Washington commanders, but I'm, I'm a nerd. I, I I'm, I'm pushing agendas out here for other teams. So I looked into the Washington commanders Offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. That's a big storyline. Eric Bieniemy loves to target running backs, and I mentioned that in the draft kit. Eric Bieniemy loves to target running backs. Who is that good news for? Antonio Gibson. Quarterback Sam Howell. Yesterday I saw a lot of tweets saying, why did we let Sam Howell go under the radar? He looks good? Question mark. Why are there question marks? Sam Howell, 96 percentile college yards per attempt. That's good news for Terry McLaurin. And the worst defense for the commanders this year, the downgrade in defense, the better offensive line with what they did this offseason, and the perhaps negative game scripts that come along with that worst defense, with the tough division they play in, that is good news for the very, very good and still underrated wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. And uh, back when I tweeted that, Antonio Gibson was the RB35 in underdog ADP. Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver 25. Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver 40. And Sam Howell, the quarterback 27. You take a look at the Washington Commanders now. And ADP still hasn't adjusted a whole lot. You still have Antonio Gibson, the running back 33 off the board, which I think is way too low. Antonio Gibson is going to be one of my zero RB builds. They call it the, the RB dead zone. I don't think you're getting any sort of dead zone here. Antonio Gibson, a fantastic option for half PPR leagues, which if you're playing best ball on underdog, it's half PPR. Uh, if you're playing any type of PPR leg, uh, league, I love Antonio Gibson this year. So there's your take. First take of the day. Antonio Gibson smashes his RB33 ADP this season. I'll have him as a top 24 running back this year in fantasy points per game. Uh, and then you look more into what happened yesterday with this uh, committee, right? So what happened? What did we see on the field in the preseason game? And I'm not one to put too much stock into anything we see in a singular preseason game, but this was a national television game, and this was a game that meant something to the commanders. 
So let's take a look at how they went about it. So McLaurin and Dotson played every down of the opening series, and they stayed in for a bit. Curtis Samuel only played in three wide receiver sets. Curtis Samuel, someone I was targeting when Carson Wentz was at quarterback, little connection there, and it actually paid off. Curtis Samuel kind of did well with Carson Wentz, but we see now with Sam Howell looking like he's only part of three wide receiver sets. Terry McLaurin was hurt at the end of the first half after a tackle. He went down, but it looks like he got off his own power, just limped a little bit. Offensive tackle Andrew Wiley was the first starter that exited the game. He left after the first drive. And the overall stat lines, Sam Howe, 19 for 26, 188 pass yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, took a couple of sacks, three carries for 17 yards. Don't let that go under the radar. There are quarterbacks out there who cannot move. Sam Howe is not one of them. And 19 players, this is a preseason game, 19 separate players drew a target for Washington. But we're here to talk about the starters. Jahan Dotson. I will repeat, Jahan Dotson is very, very good. Five catches, 76 yards on seven targets. Terry McLaurin does his little, you know, low target game while he was in the game, but he produced three targets, three catches, 39 yards. Terry McLaurin also still good. And I think people are caught up on Terry McLaurin being very good. Diami Brown continues to be the enigma uh, two catches on six targets for 27 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Deami, betting on Deami Brown touchdowns is going to be quite the adventure this year. We're going to have to pick our three spots, the three games where he scores a touchdown. And one of those games, he'll probably score two touchdowns. And betting on that is going to be so much fun to try to figure out which is, which are the games Deami Brown is going to show up in. Uh, good morning to the place to be for FFB. Good morning, everybody. What is up to you as well? Thank you for being here. Uh, but I'm here to talk about the running backs again. And Brian Robinson, four, uh, four catches for 17 yards on four targets. Antonio Gibson, three catches on three targets for 10 yards with the touchdown. Chris Rodriguez, uh, the uh, rookie running back. He lost a fumble. He was heavily involved. Obviously, it's preseason. He's going to get the most run. Five carries for 31 yards. He did lose a fumble. Derek Gore, 3-23. Did break out a 15-yard run. Okay. Brian Robinson in the rushing game. Five carries for 21 yards with uh, a nine-yarder in there. Antonio Gibson, four for 15. The storyline here is Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson going to continue this rotation they look like 1A and 1B. And if you ask, I think most of us have the company, who we think the 1A should be, it should be Antonio Gibson. We believe he is the better player. He is explosive. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He could really do it all, and we saw him line up in wide receiver sets yesterday. Give us that for a full season with a decent opportunity share, a little bit better than the 43.3% opportunity share he got last year. And we have ourselves a possibly top 24 season in the horizon, which is why I'm all all over Antonio Gibson in these zero RB slash hero RB builds in fantasy this year. Brian Robinson, great story about the way he came back rookie year, but the truth is, it's just, you know, you shouldn't expect Brian Robinson to be very efficient, right? He had some athleticism in college, decent amount. Last year, he got a 
54% opportunity share after getting shot in the leg, which was, you know, just incredible story. Wish him all the success. Hope he stays in the league for a very long time. But he isn't the most efficient. Uh, and it looks like maybe they'll use him uh, at the goal line a little bit like they did last year. If anybody has been a longtime follower of me, you realize that, uh, you know, I cashed a plus 5,500 same game parlay for primetime Commanders Bears, the most ridiculous game to cash my most favorite bet of the season on. And it cashed with a Brian Robinson touchdown. So I'll always be grateful to him for that, for just running it in at the one yard line. Um, and I, I expect to see more of the same this year with Brian Robinson. They'll use him in, at the goal line. They'll use him probably 50% of the time, if not more, um, to uh, run um, in the obvious running situations at least. And then Gibson can be used as the versatile bat that plays uh, on any sort of down, uh, third down, etc. Uh, so the Commanders, going back to my original point, the Commanders are an extremely viable, sneaky team that you can stack on offense, especially in best ball. Sam Howe is going to have those games where he throws three touchdowns, maybe one of which to Antonio Gibson, maybe one to Jahan Dotson, and uh, maybe one to Deami Brown. This is definitely going to be a few games like that, and they are so cheap in drafts. I love Sam Howell as a QB2 this year. I love Antonio Gibson as an RB2 this year. And I love Jahan Dotson. Uh, and Terry McLaurin, uh, I think his price is just about right. Currently, the wide receiver 25 on underdog fantasy. And uh, we have him ranked at player profiler somewhere around that area. He's probably a couple of spots too low uh, just because everybody's down on the commanders. But maybe that ADP will rise a little bit. But around where Terry McLaurin goes, just to give some perspective on who goes around Terry McLaurin, uh, you got Drake London at wide receiver 24. You got Mike Williams at wide receiver 23. And you think about the situations those guys are in. Mike Williams, there's, there's, you know, there's been some debates in the player profiler family about Quentin Johnston. Regardless of your opinion on Quentin Johnston, it's undeniable that Mike Williams has, has question marks surrounding him. And yes, he's tied to Justin Herbert. But the volume is never guaranteed with him. He's pretty much a one-trick pony. Drake London, if you don't think there are question marks surrounding the Atlanta Falcons, run it back, think again. Because Drake London, the talent is undeniable. He is probably, you know, when he is allowed the opportunity, he's probably a better wide receiver than Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I said it. He's a better wide receiver than Terry McLaurin talent-wise. But he's got a lot of good players to share the uh, opportunities with, and the opportunities, how many are there even going to be in that Falcons offense? Are they just going to run it down the middle with Bijan Robinson every single time? Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, may I say. Um, where are the targets going to be for Drake London, for Kyle Pitts, uh, and for everybody else in that Falcons offense? It is not obvious. They signed Jonu Smith. Don't forget about the athletic enigma that is Jonu Smith. So, to me, Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 25 is a good price, but the steals in this Washington offense, the Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson super stack, all steals to me. As uh, we have a comment here that says, I traded Diami for Clyde Edwards Elaire straight up. And I assume this is in Dynasty. And my God, is that a just a pile of ass against a pile of ass? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, uh, I, I'm fine with that trade. Deami Brown's going to have his two to three weeks where he's relevant. Clyde edwards Lair, I don't know if he has anything left in the tank. I guess worth a shot. I don't know what to think of that trade. Moving on, and as usual, if people have uh, questions in the comment, questions in the comments, yes, that's the correct order. Questions in the chat, continue to drop them. Um, as we move on to, speaking of running backs, more running backs. Yesterday, Jason on the show uh, talked about Josh Jacobs. I'll discuss him briefly because uh, a few days ago, I made the fade case for Jason, Josh Jacobs. Um, and this was before it was confirmed that he was all in. He was, you know, he's, he's playing. Um, for some perspective on running backs that are in these situations, Josh Jacobs is in this year, which is the year after they led the NFL in touches. If you don't know by now that running backs cannot lead the league in touches every year and be productive seven years in a row, well, it's never too late to learn. Now is the time. Here are some fantasy finishes by running backs who led the NFL in touches the previous year by points per game and total. In 2015, DeMarco Murray, after leading the league in touches in 2014, finished at the RB14 in fantasy points per game and RB17 in total points uh, per game. In 2016, after Peterson led it in 2015, he got hurt in week three, Never played snaps after that. RB 118 overall. 2017, reigning touch leader David Johnson hurt in week one. 2018, Le'Veon Bell was in this situation. Contract issues, just doesn't play. 2019, and this is the statistical outlier that everybody will fall back to and they will make the logical fallacy that this could happen again and again and again. Ezekiel Elliott is a statistical outlier, and this is why he still gets respect in today's NFL. It's because the man is tough. You can uh, bash him for a lot of things, but the man is tough. Ezekiel Elliott, RB4 uh, in fantasy points per game, RB5 in total points uh, in total points on the season. That is the statistical outlier since then. Christian McCaffrey in 2020, hurt in week three, 2021. Derrick Henry, super efficient to start the year, RB1 in points per game. He was still in his prime, hurt in week eight. 2020, Najee Harris, RB19 in points per game. And here we are. Josh Jacobs is in this situation that everybody else was just in. And his underdog ADP at the time of that tweet was RB9. It is still RB9. It might rise just a tad with the news that, that he's back. And he's, he is definitely playing. You tell me after the stats that I just listed, is Josh Jacobs worth the RB9 price? And look at player profiler rankings. He is outside our top 20 this year. If you want the full rankings, you can check out seasonal rankings on playerprofiler.com and uh, set the settings to you know your format. And in half PPR, which is what we're assuming here, Josh Jacobs is outside our top 20. And you are out here taking him at RB9, I bet. And uh, the other running back, oh, we got comments. And I. there are multiple screens. There we go. We have comments. Does this also mean fade Eckler? Jason, I'm so glad you asked. So earlier this, uh, you know, earlier this, I guess it's not this week. It was last week. I made a thread on Twitter. You can go check that out uh, on my Twitter at Mahan But 
Um, I made a thread on how I'm attacking the early running backs uh, in drafts. And here's the thing. If you're drafting a running back in the first or second round and they don't have a legitimate chance of being the RB1 overall, what, think about why are you drafting them? Like, let's say you have the 104, Travis Kelsey is available, and you are taking Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler. Think to yourself, can this dude finish as the RB1 overall? And if I don't think they can, is it really worth it spending my first round pick on these guys? And I think the answer is no. And so you talk about who has, who is in contention for this RB uh, in RB1, um, you know, who is in contention to be the RB1? Austin Eckler, the reigning fantasy running back one by points per game. And uh, you look at what it takes to be an RB1 over the last several years, and you need the opportunity share which Austin Eckler could very well have yet again. Uh, but you also need someone who likely has not already spent at least three seasons as a workhorse and or led the NFL in touches in any previous season, right? And this is why I cross out the name Josh Jacobs. I don't think Josh Jacobs has the potential to be running back one after leading the league in touches last year. I think this eliminates Austin Eckler. This dude is so good for fantasy football when he's healthy and he in a perfect situation. And by the way, shout out to Austin Eckler for doing all of this as an undrafted running back. Just so rare. You see first rounders do this on the regular. You don't see undrafted uh, guys do this. And in fact, if you look at last year, the the most rushing touchdowns by undrafted running backs was number one, Austin Eckler with 13 and number two, uh, Jeff Wilson with five. So shout out to Austin Eckler. But after being a workhorse three seasons in a row, can Austin Eckler really do it again? And the history suggests no, which is why I have very little Austin Eckler exposure. Matt Babbage, the absolute GOAT. And I said five minutes ago, Jason Outwine was the GOAT. Well, Matt Babbage, also the GOAT. Uh, late to the party, but what's up? What's up to you, Matt? Matt is uh, the co-king of the uh, Dynasty Roundtable with Seth Dewold. I used to annoy the, the, this dude every week and say, yo, you need a guest? I'm there. Now these dudes are flourishing without me. So great to see. But I, w- I will make my return. He, I, he can't, can't stay, away, stay away from me forever. Great to see you in chat. Um, and uh, Jason says is, is, it's more of an, uh, a Kamara Ingram situation uh, with Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle of the Underworld. This is a Bijan tweet. Spoiler alert, you want to take, you want something to clip, you want something to roast me on at the end of the season, here you go. Bijan Robinson is going to be on my all-fade team at running back for redraft in 2023. I'm all in on the Bijan Robinson train for a dynasty. If you're a first-round running back with the athletic profile that Bijan Robinson has with the, you know, the, the type of prospect Bijan Robinson is, it was he was going to go in the first round. We all knew he was going to go to the first round. I predicted that he would go 108 to the Atlanta Falcons, but for redraft purposes, I am fading Bijan Robinson at this steep price of RB3, ADP RB3 on underdog. Think about how steep that price is and what I just said about can this dude finish as the overall RB1? What's one other thing you need to be the overall RB1? You need 
to be free and you need to be free in that backfield and you need to have opportunity share open for you. Is B. John Robinson going to be locked in and be one of the league leaders in opportunity share with Tyler Ogio right behind him, who just finished with a thousand rushing yards as a rookie? I don't think so. So I am fading B. John Robinson at the RB3 price. It's officially too steep for me. I think he his floor is insane because the floor of these rookie running backs to go in the first round with profiles like Bijan Robinson, who I guess athletically, profile-wise, I guess they deserve to be in the first round, although you can make the argument you shouldn't be drafting running backs in the first round anyway. But Bijan Robinson, elite prospect, the floor is insane. But what about RB5 price? Well, Jason, if you look at the running back rankings, seasonal rankings, for uh, you know, player profiler for our half PPR rankings, Bijan Robinson is the RB four. It's a little more acceptable at the RB five price, but overall, if you look at all the players, I am, I am not thrilled about taking Bijan Robinson in the first round of my fantasy draft. Just, and I see so many better options on the table. If you're in that weird little middle area, I'm fine with quote unquote reaching a little bit and taking my running back one of the season, which also happens to be player profilers running back one in the seasonal rankings, who also happens to be multiple picks cheaper than Bijan Robinson. Sick one, Barkley. That's what's bugged me. I don't see him finishing words in top eight. That's true. But you would you rather have a guy who might finish RB12, but could very well, could have a, let's say, 40% chance of being a top three running back, or would you like the guy who's locked in to RB6 to RB10? Would you, would you, like, which guy do you want? Assuming same price. I want the former one. It also happens to be that Saquon Barkley is cheaper than B. John Robinson, which is why there's a clear answer to me there between those two. Doesn't Algier and Patterson still have a role, though? Can't see Atlanta not wanting to limit B. John's carries. There you go. That's the take right there. Bijan Robinson's going to be with this team for a long time. He's, he's 5'11, he's 215. He's fantastic when he touches the football. He's not built like, say, like uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, they're going to protect his body. I don't see him being top three in the NFL in opportunity share, which you kind of need to be in a real consideration for that RB1 crown. Uh, and Austin Eckler. Not the most efficient running back in the world, if you think about it. A lot of people call him a fantasy merchant. Well, he gets a job done in fantasy. Why? Because he catches passes. He gets a large opportunity share and shows up in the, at the goal line when he's needed. Punches in those touchdowns in high volume because he is in a great offense with a great quarterback. Bijan Robinson in a, one of the most uncertain offenses in football. And I was on trade gods with Jason Alwine and... And Matty Kiwu, I think it was multiple months ago, and I mentioned something that I don't I don't see enough people talk about is the possibility that Desmond Ritter is not even the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons all season long. They signed Taylor Heineke for a reason. That's the guy who has spent his entire career coming in as a backup and outperforming the guy in front of him. And yes, that has been Carson Wentz recently. Um it's possible that Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback in this league, but it is possible that he's not, and Taylor Heineke ends up taking the reins. And if when Taylor Heineke comes in, I say when, if Taylor Heineke comes in, 
Drake London. Heineke starts by week four. There you go. Oh, the fingers. There we go. That's the take you want. Take by Matt Babbage. Taylor Heineke starts by week four. I love it. Ritter is laughably bad. Have you all seen the uh, the clip of James Harden telling the ref, thank you. That's me right now with Matt Babbage. Jason Allwine says Ritter is a dog. Well, whatever your opinion is about Desmond Ritter, you have to acknowledge the possibility that the, uh, of that this offense changes by week four, by week eight, and Bijan Robinson is going to be one of the biggest or one of the lowest ceiling running backs uh, being taken early in the draft, and he happens to be the RB3 price. So, as they say in Shark Tank, for those reasons, I'm out. We will continue taking questions uh, in the chat um, throughout the rest of this morning. But for now, now that we've, we're done talking about the RB fades, let's talk about a guy whose price tag in fantasy I think just went up, and that is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. So let's let's see what has happened to him this offseason. So he's on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he, you know, takes time off. Uh, you know, there was some injury concern around it, surrounding Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, another former RB1 overall. Um, and then some contract discussions with the Indianapolis Colts. And we won't get into what's going on with ownership in Indianapolis. Um, you all can have your own takes on that. This is not what we're here for. We're talking about where could Jonathan Taylor possibly land. If you're not caught up, the Colts have granted running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade for Adam Schefter. And later on, a few minutes later, we see a tweet. The Colts are seeking either a first-round pick or a package of picks that equal or first in value in exchange for Jonathan Taylor. Point number one, no running back in the league is worth that much. Point number two, some team is going to do it. Why? Because there's going to be some contender out there that think that upgrading from their mediocre to slightly above mediocre running back to Jonathan Taylor, who is unarguably elite, making that upgrade will increase their chances significantly of uh, dethroning the Kansas City Chiefs. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, how about the Kansas City Chiefs? The Kansas City Chiefs, you look at their running back room right now, and it's Isaiah Pacheco who has had injury concerns. You know, he's got that dog in him. He showed up in the Super Bowl. He was fantastic when touching the football. If you all remember the juice with me, Matt Kelly, and Shervon Fakimi, one of our best bets of the Super Bowl, which I gave out, was Isaiah Pacheco, longest rush. That dude is a wagon. He is so fun to watch. But he is a seventh. He was a seventh round pick in the 2020 draft for a reason. And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs depth chart. People love to talk about the wide receiver depth chart. Look at the running back depth chart: Isaiah Pacheco, Jerick McKinnon, who was a pass catching monster, which he was setting NFL records with catching passes out of the backfield in the red zone specifically. Um, from Patrick Mahomes with his little, you know, scramble look for Kelsey. The look is not there. Dump it down to Jarek McKinnon. And at RB3, the guy we all do not like to talk about, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Do we remember who was on the board at running back when the Kansas City Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Elaire in the first round? It was Jonathan Taylor. 
I could see the Kansas City Chiefs going after, you know, pay overpaying and taking Jonathan Taylor, trying to right their wrong and bringing in a guy ahead of Isaiah Pacheco to take, not, not just take the load off him, but in this case, if it was Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor would clearly be the lead back and Isaiah Pacheco is the guy that gives him breaks. I could see it, which is not great for my love of Jarek McKinnon, but I could see it. Another interesting read, the Miami Dolphins. Everybody in the world seems to want Jonathan Taylor to go to the Miami Dolphins. I'm not sure why people are so excited about this. Of course, we would love to see a great running back in a Mike McDaniel scheme, but that running back room is is so crowded. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, who I just mentioned was Jeff Wilson, five rushing touchdowns, second most by an undrafted player last year. And they drafted Devon A-Chain, who several people in player profile, including my man Dario Austin, loves this season. Uh, I could see the Miami Dolphins crowd that room more and make Jonathan Taylor the lead with Raheem Mostert's injury history, with Devon A-Chain and Jeff Wilson both being injured right now. But why are we so excited about this situation? This is not the ideal landing spot. Uh, Jason Owen says for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Deneric Prince, Izzy Pacheco, Williams slash Williams slash Hunt of 2023. I could see it, but not if Jonathan Taylor is coming to town. Um, and uh, yeah, so why are people so excited about the Miami Dolphins picking up Jonathan Taylor? It beats me. Here's another situation that could, you know, that, that could definitely be in the realm of possibility. I've already seen some people on Twitter fairly predict this team to land Jonathan Taylor. And it's the Buffalo Bills who tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey last year. Let's not forget that when Christian McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers, who was likely the runner-up? It was the Buffalo Bills. Last year, they ended up trading Zach Moss and a conditional sixth-round pick in the draft for Naheem Hines, who ended up, you know, as a Patriots fan, it was tough to watch. Naheem Hines returned the touchdown the game after the DeMar Hamlin situation. But as a football fan... It was just chills, right? Naheem Hines returning the touchdown uh, against the Patriots, just insane. And obviously, remember where he came from. He came from the Indianapolis Colts in that trade with Zach Moss. Um, so I could see the Bills making another trade and overpaying to get Jonathan Taylor ahead of James Cook. We've heard on Mind Mansion the, 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 the case to fade James Cook. The strongest case ever would be he's behind Jonathan Taylor. Zorari, good to see you in the chat. Chiefs are confident in their ability to win a, a championship without elite playmakers at every position. Well, I mean, when you have the, the best quarterback ever, it makes sense. When you have one of the best tight ends ever to accompany that, it makes sense. And uh, if you're not familiar with my uh, agendas, I like Rashi Rice. I have been a Sky Moore truther. I think they're both good players. I don't think either of them are alphas on the outside, but I think they're both good players. Uh, and it makes sense that the Chiefs are still the favorite to you know, to win the Super Bowl uh, when you have a very good defense. They, they have a very good defense still and uh, the best quarterback to ever play the game. Yeah, I said it. It makes sense, but I could see them pay, overpaying and uh, invest into Jonathan Taylor. So they invested heavy into a motivation team to hype up scrubs every week. I don't really know what that means. I'm just going to say it. Um I don't, I don't know what that means, but um, maybe I understand the idea. Um, and you want to take, this is called the Wake and Take Show. 
and I'll drop my prediction. I think, I'll say it, I drafted Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Jonathan Taylor to start an underdog draft a few days ago, and I jokingly said, wow, I started the draft with three Chiefs. I'm calling it. Kansas City pays the price for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and I think you see those Vegas odds of plus 600, which is very short, uh, the shortest odds um, you know, available for a Super Bowl winner. I think we see that that plus 600 go down to like plus 500, maybe plus 450, uh, which would be insane. Uh, and uh, it's worth noting that Vegas odds did move from plus 1,800 to plus, I believe, 1,400 for San Francisco when they acquired Christian McCaffrey. So I'm calling it. My prediction for Jonathan Taylor's landing spot, the Kansas City Chiefs. We will finish out the show with uh, just one more team that I really wanted to use my one day of airtime on Wake and Take to talk about, which I briefly discussed them when I was on Wake and Take with Jason Allwine a few uh, a few days ago. But um, I will mention them again in its entirety, and it is the Green Bay Packers. I want us to talk about the Washington Commanders, but I also want us to talk about the Green Bay Packers offense. Elephant in the room, if you have followed me on Twitter for more than a few days. If you look up any tweet by at Ahan Rungtev that has mentioned Romeo Dubs, it is clear on my it is clear what my stance on Romeo Dubs is. I think he is a mediocre player uh, who cannot separate, who cannot make tough catches. Uh, and should be faded out of a good offense very quickly. That being said, so far, Romeo Dubs is, per PFF, the number one graded wide receiver in the preseason. I must address this. I feel uh, like I'm obligated uh, to address this. Number one, preseason, for the most part, doesn't matter. It's for reps. Number two, Romeo Dubs can be a decent player and still not worth drafting. Romeo Dubs, and you might say, people like to look at the the ADP and say, he's the wide receiver 52. That's cheap. I'm clicking the button. Yeah, but you're competing against 11 other players in your league who are drafting other players who could possibly be way, way better than Romeo Dubs, right? I, I, I object to anybody looking at the, a draft board, looking at one player on the draft board and saying, yeah, that's cheap. I'm clicking the button. Instead, look at what's around you and look at how to maximize what you're getting. And you look at some guys taking it right behind Romeo Dubs on underdog. You look at Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 58 on underdog, a guy who is probably going to be the second pass-catching option on the Las Vegas Raiders who might get several games over the course of the season with 10 targets, just garbage time alone. You have Zay Jones, who was a red zone monster, great athlete, on an offense that I think will be elite. You have Darnell Mooney, who, if you think the Bears' offense is going to be so much better, Darnell Mooney is better than Romeo Dubs at wide receiver 59. You have Rasheed Rice, who I think is a good player tied to Patrick Mahomes. You have Michael Gallup at wide receiver 61. You can get that man multiple rounds after Romeo Dubs. And here you are clicking the button on Romeo Dubs, who might not be a top three player on his own team. Matt Babbage said, people forget that defenses often show their most basic scheme during the preseason. Got to take what's There you go. This That is preseason explained over here. Uh, great call with uh, Jacoby Myers. He's getting no love and uh, doesn't have to be the number one on the offense anymore. Bingo. Devontae Adams is going to get his. 
one of the reasons I don't have a lot of Devontae Adams exposure is because, again, I'm looking for that ceiling. I'm not trying to enter a million-dollar competition and take guys who are guaranteed to give me 12 points. I want the guys that could give me 25 10 times a year, right? So I'm not all in on Devontae Adams, but uh, at, the, at the price, I'm taking a lot of Jacoby Myers. Uh, and then back to the Packers, uh, the place to be for football says I will take Jaden Reed over Romeo Dubs all day. And this ties back to my entire point about the Packers offense, which is draft Jordan Love. Why? Because if you look at who the late quarterbacks are, apart from Sam Howell, who could who's going undrafted in many leagues, who you could have as your quarterback too. Jordan Love is priced as a quarterback 20 on underdog for a reason. Uh, Jason Owen says, I have too much Hunter Renfro. That is the story of my life. I always have too much Hunter Renfro. I can't blame you for that. I love that dude, uh, rightfully so. There is only one quarterback in the NFL right now being drafted outside the top 15 in underdog fantasy ADP who will definitely be the starter all season given health and two have potentially four good pass catchers catching passes from him. And I made this tweet at 11-11 on August 16th, not intentional, but I made this tweet on August 16th and I said, this is the one quarterback that could have four good pass catchers catching passes from him. And you look at the four guys I listed, none of them named Romeo Dubs. So if you are a guy that thinks Romeo Dubs is, is any good, you should be drafting Jordan Love because then that means he might have five good pass catchers on this team. But I think he has four, and their names, Aaron Jones, ranked number five in among all running backs in catch. Put some uh, respect on Kenny Pickett's name. Matt, right now, name the four good pass catchers he has. Name it. Say it. Um, so going back to the Packers, Aaron Jones ranked number five among all running backs in catch rate, number nine in target share, number 10 in yards, per, uh, yards created per touch last year, certified good player last year, Christian Watson, my guy who I am stacking all over the place. I did so in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, actually, did I stack Jordan Love? No, nah, I think someone sniped me on Jordan Love, but I got Christian Watson in a lot of places. I'm seeing people try to fade Christian Watson, be too cute with fading Christian Watson. People have this obsession with fading good players because they score too many touchdowns. Regression is not built the same everywhere. Christian Watson is a good player, ranked number seven in true catch rate, number 12 in yards per route run, number one in fantasy points per target last year, while Aaron Rodgers was being a highly mediocre player. And circling back to the name just mentioned, Jaden Reed. Wait, 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 wait. We need a timeout. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna look. For, I'm gonna look for the sound effects. This is the part. Jason taught me how to use the sound effects, and uh, I'm going to. You're watching the stream right now. Wait, how do you stop the sound effect? God damn it! Oh no, this is insane. Oh, there we go. The four car crashes. For Matt Babbage's take that just said Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Freermuth, and Najee slash Warren. Bro said Najee Harris and Jalen Warren were good pass catchers. Maybe Calvin Austin. You heard the sound effect. That's crazy. 
Anyway, uh, so you got Aaron Jones, you got Christian Watson. Going back, someone in the chat mentioned Jaden Reed was a second-round pick and is in the upper quartile in college target share of wide receiver prospects. Good is such a basic word. Yeah, but, like, the four players I'm mentioning are actually, like, undeniably good. That's the difference. Like, Najee Harris is, like, potentially undeniably not good. Facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah, I'm dropping the facts, okay? I'm dropping the facts. Jaden Reed, second-round pick, is in the upper quartile of college target share wide receiver prospects. His player profiler uh, comp, Stephon Diggs. The player profiler comps don't always translate, but there's a narrative for you. And player profilers break out finder rating. And this, speaking of facts, Matt, how about the breakout finder rating who correctly called out last year that Damian Pierce is going to be a disappointment in half PPR because he was not a workhorse in college, did not have pass catching experience. The breakout finder takes your feelings out of it. It also takes the landing spot of a player out of it and specifically tells you how good a player is and potentially how that might translate to fantasy football over the course of their career. Great tool for Dynasty, equally good tool for redraft. If you also take into account the landing spots, which the breakout finder doesn't do, the breakout finder tells you essentially how good the player is and it takes into account college metrics that matter. We, we run a model for what metrics matter the most for fantasy football production. Jaden Reed, breakout finder rating, all the hype for Tank Dell, all the hype for Zay Flowers. Jaden Reed was a has a higher breakout finder rating than both. Certified good player. And lastly, someone mentioned it earlier. Bang. Luke Musgrave is is about exactly what you want out of a tight end prospect, elite athletic profile. The Roto Underworld player comp is Dawson Knox, who has been a great red zone weapon for Josh Allen over the course of his career so far. Luke Musgrave, 76th percentile college yards per reception. He is an explosive play generator, certified good player. And who is throwing to all four of those dudes? It's Jordan Love. Are you in or out on Damian Pierce this year? I am out. Uh, not only is he just an underwhelming, low-ceiling player as a being in himself, they signed a guy that has spent his entire career beating mediocre himself but taking the pressure off of other bags and punching in touchdowns. Devin Singletary. Damian Pierce is in a committee in a probably below average offense and might not even be the first option in the red zone. Why are you drafting Damian Pierce? Just take Antonio Gibson like a normal person. You know, ball. Matt Babbage, we may have our differences. We might you, you might think that Najee Harris is a good pass catcher, but you know ball as well. I love you. And that's all I had on the show sheet for today. I took 50 minutes to talk, which is 50 more minutes than anybody needs to hear me talk. But unless anybody has some final questions, oh, we have one from Anthony Miles Sanders question mark. Uh, Miles Sanders uh, is a is an interesting option. Um, so you look at his ADP currently on Underdog, the RB twenty one on Underdog. And Miles Sanders ranked as the RB17 in player profiler seasonal rankings for half PPR. I think he is an interesting option uh, at RB2. 
again, one of those low ceiling, high floor players when healthy. And people love to, to get on Miles Sanders for saying, don't draft me in fantasy football. But, like, do people realize he outdid his fantasy football ADP last year? I, I think it was Dario Ofstein that asked him at the Super Bowl last year, what do you think of that take? And he said, yeah, I'm glad I helped people telling me not to draft. No, dude, Miles, you didn't. People actually didn't draft you because you said that, and you outdid your ADP. What are you talking about? Now, Miles Sanders is still a good player, but, again, one of those low-ceiling players, the RB21, I end up with lower Miles Sanders exposure than maybe I should simply because I'm not pressing the button on Miles Sanders at overall ADP 71 when I can press Jordan Addison at 72 or Jahan Dotson at 73. And there's your answer why I don't have. Uh, Elijah Moore said everyone will regret not drafting him, so should we be buying in? I didn't even know that Elijah Moore said that, and I'm buying him, and I might buy him more. I might do an underdog draft right after this and reach on Elijah Moore. No, I won't actually reach. But uh, Elijah Moore, this Browns offense, whether you like it or not, will be better. Uh, Anthony says, that's not that's why I worded it or didn't say it that way. Perfect. Miles Sanders is the perfect question mark this year. Elijah Moore, I am drafting him at ADP. This Browns offense will be better. And uh, there is a lot of uh, – there are a lot of PPR monsters you can get late in drafts this year at wide receiver, which is why I'm fine with the Hero RB build surrounding my running back one this year. Draft Saquon Berkeley. That'll be the show. Good night. Why did I say good night? It feels like night. Uh, great show, hon. Thank you, Jason, for allowing me to be on your show for one day only. Matt Babbage, appreciate you for joining in. Follow the goats, Jason and Matt Babbage. You can follow me as well if you found my show somewhat decent uh, or half as good as Jason's show at Ahan Rungta. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great afternoon and go draft yourself some Saquon Barkley.